Thank you for joining us for the Sunrise Message of the Week podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Sunrise Christian Center and our sponsors, the Send Network and Seattle Bible College. For more information, check out isunrise.org. Please help us get the word out by subscribing, downloading, rating, and commenting on our podcast. The more you interact with our content, the more people will hear it. This week, Pastor Dan talks to us about the peacemakers and the persecuted and God's blessing. Check it out. We've been in a series called The Kingdom Heart of a Disciple, and I really want to encourage you to use your power to vote. I encourage you to search the scriptures and study what candidates stand for, and you're, you're really voting for more, even more than a candidate, a platform. And it's, it's, I believe it's our Christian responsibility to be responsible citizens of the nation God's placed us in. And I encourage you, hopefully you've all voted. We dropped ours. We were gone until Friday night. We dropped ours in the mailbox yesterday. I always check and make sure that ours get counted. You can do that. So I encourage you to make your vote count. Very important in the world we live in. Uh, the next two weeks are going to be very interesting in our nation. I'll be praying. Remember that the history of our nation is in the hands of the church. So we need to be a praying people. We need to be a people that are, uh, have the kingdom heart of a disciple. Now, what's amazing about the Beatitudes, and John, I listened to his message uh, down in Phoenix over the live stream. Welcome all those that are watching by live stream. I can't wait till the day we're all back in church together and in person and in the, in the flesh. <laughs> and uh, thank God that many of you can watch that are in the... Uh, live stream today and on YouTube and Facebook. We appreciate you. We love you. We're there for you. And if you have a need, please let us know. We're trying to follow up. There's a lot of people to follow up. There's a lot of stuff going on outside the normal of what we do here. So uh, if you're if you're feeling neglected, please let us know and call so we can help you. We're, we're trying to reach people. And, and you're not always home. Sometimes you're at the grocery store or walking or doing whatever you do. And uh, we just encourage you, if you have a need, to let us know. We are there for you. The Beatitudes, each one brings with it a blessing, according to the scriptures and the words of Jesus himself. Today we're going to look at two concepts that John gave me to look at, and that's in Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read it. It says in verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. A parallel passage in Luke's gospel, which this yesterday I shared with my wife, it's one of those scriptures you read over and over your whole life, and all of a sudden you read it again, and you see something in it you've never really focused on. It says in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, same incident, different writer, Verse 22, blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Just what you all want to do when that happens, right? For indeed your reward is great in heaven for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. So we'll look at these two concepts about being a peacemaker and how we're blessed as peacemakers and how we're blessed when we're persecuted for righteousness sake. Some say these are three beatitudes. I'm going to say they're two uh, for the sake of preaching this morning. We won't argue over they're two or three, but it deals with these two basic concepts. It says in Romans 14, verse 17 to 19, before we get into the text, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. So we're to have peace in the Holy Spirit. One of the ways that we know that the, the kingdom is operating in our lives is that we walk in peace. We live in peace. It's, it's, it's something that we need to have. And we're to pursue peace, it says. We're to pursue the things that make for peace. One of the enemy's tactics is to get us angry and upset at people and not to pursue peace, but to pursue right and wrong. I had a Bible school teacher that used to say this. It used to bother me until I got older. 
Brother Cornish, he said, I'd rather fellowship with a man who's wrong but has a right spirit than a man who's right and has a wrong spirit. And I used to sit there as an arrogant Bible school student, you know, newly saved, like I knew everything already about the world. And I said, I'd rather fellowship with a man who's right and has a right spirit. But I, as I got older, I realized what he was saying. There's a lot of people that are right in what they're saying, but they do it in the wrong spirit. We're to pursue peace. You cannot produce kingdom power and kingdom love and kingdom living if you don't do it in a kingdom way. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we're to pursue peace. We're to pursue peace in in all things. And we're not only to pursue peace, but we're to... We're to uh, also pursue the things which may edify and build up one another. So we're to, we're to build one another up. The prophetic words were to build one another up. If a prophetic word in a service like this doesn't bring comfort, edification, or encouragement, then it's not doing what the Bible said. It's not coming from the Holy Spirit. It might be coming out of the person's heart. It might be coming, either comes from God, from a person's spirit, or from a demonic force. Three options. Sometimes there's a little bit of mixture in there because we have people involved, just the way it is. I liked when one person said to a pastor, he said, oh, come on, it wasn't me, it was all Jesus. And he looked at him and said, oh, come on, if it was all Jesus, it would have been better than that. <laughs> we sound real spiritual sometimes, but we, we do deal with human people, so they sometimes change the equation a little bit. And in 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 to 12, dealing with the first verse dealt with peace, the second deals with persecution. Paul says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions, my afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So when you and I live godly lives, we can expect that persecution will come. Paul said that, and I read this the first time I read it, I said, God, this is not my idea of deliverance because I know what happened to Paul in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. He was stoned and left for dead. That was not my idea of being delivered out of it all. My idea of being delivered was no one would have stoned me. And he said, that's because your idea of deliverance is incomplete. You only think I deliver people out of things, but sometimes I deliver people through things. And sometimes there's a bigger purpose than just our individual deliverance, but there's a deliverance of all the people who got delivered from the Apostle Paul's life. So let's look at the blessings that come first of all in the peacemakers. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers, the peacemakers. The Greek word for peacemaker is the founders and promoters of peace who not only keep peace, but seek to bring men into harmony with each other. And Father, I pray as we hear this word that you'd appropriate it to every one of our hearts and lives through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for your great love. We thank you for your kingdom. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are Lord over the church. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are Lord in the church. And we ask today, Holy Spirit, that you would move in each one of our hearts to glorify the Father and the Son and speak very clearly to us out of your word, your word that's been forever settled in heaven your word that will never pass away, your word that you exalted above all your name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the Greek word, the founders and promoters of peace, who not only keep peace, but seek to bring men into harmony with each other. So to be a peacemaker, we have to first of all know the peace of God. It says in Romans 5.1, when Paul the apostle wrote to the church at Rome, suffering one of the greatest persecutions the church has ever known, he said this, therefore we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to know the peace of God before we can release the peace of God. We, know, we, need, we need to make peace with God and then we receive the peace of God. So the only way that we can make peace with God is through the blood of his cross, is through what Jesus did on the cross for us and how he died and rose again. We've been studying in our discipleship books the importance of the kerygma, the proclamation of the gospel. Most people don't always hear that. We've kind of dumbed it down in America. We just like to do headlines and get over it. But when you really preach the whole gospel, you declare that Jesus came to the nation of Israel. He came and lived a holy life. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a godly life at about 30 years of age, he started to minister to the people. And for a little over three years, he proclaimed the gospel. He lived, he proclaimed who his father was, what the kingdom was about. 
He was born to die on a cross and shed his blood. And he arose on the third day, Pontius Pilate, and the, and the rulers rejected him. And many of us rejected him through our life. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead triumphant. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he will rule and reign over every man, woman, and child. And everyone will stand before him at the end of their life. And at the end of time and the day of judgment, will give an account of their life. That's the truth. Now, people can reject the truth. They cannot receive it. But when you believe that message that Jesus rose from the dead for your sins and you and I repent and turn to him and we're baptized in water, we're going to study this week how important being baptized in water is. A lot of people just go out to a river or lake by themselves and do it. I think they miss some of the part of your, you're actually being baptized into Christ. You're being baptized into a whole community of believers. You're becoming a part of a family that will nurture you and love you. That was God's intent. It wasn't the American individualistic, you know, I obeyed the word of God and I went, I dunked myself in the bathtub. You know, they publicly stood. I've been in nations where when people have been baptized in the services I've been in, their family has totally ostracized them, said, you're no longer my son. You are no longer my daughter because they publicly stood and declared that Jesus Christ was their Lord and King. And they joined a family. When we were in Sapporo, Japan, I thought it was an awesome idea when people got baptized, they all brought a gift to this brand new person that just given their life to Christ and on their baptism day, everybody in the church presented a gift to the person and said, welcome to the family of God. That's community. That's not just me and Jesus. And I think one of the things we're going to learn, if you're not in one of the discipleship groups, I encourage you to get, you're going to learn a lot because it's very important to obey. People said, well, why should I be baptized? Because Jesus commanded you to. That's the number one only... Any, everything else beyond that is just, you know, you're learning more about doctrine, but you just need to obey Jesus and get baptized and make a profession and say, I'm a part of a local church community. I'm a part of a family. I'm a part of a people who obey God. Very, very important. So we need to know the peace of God. And if we repent and turn to Christ, we, we, we make peace with God, and then we have the peace of God. And a peacemaker is one who not only does not compromise their own or her own positions, but makes room for another opinion and finds an area of fellowship with someone else who might have totally different opinions. The other good news about being a peacemaker is you get attacked and beat on by both sides you're trying to bring together. So both sides turn against you, just like they did with Jesus, Jew and Gentile. They turned against Jesus because he was a peacemaker. And blessed are the peacemakers... So we can, without compromising our position, we can seek to make peace with people who are totally opposed to us if we're going to be a peacemaker. Now, if we're just going to be a troublemaker, then we'll, we'll keep you know, spewing hate and anger and all the things that are not a part of his kingdom ever. And so I think in this hour we live in, this is a wake-up call for the church to get back to realizing the peace we have because of what Jesus did, the peace of God, that we have the peace with him, and now the peace of God we can carry into situations. Because what's inside us comes out of us. When we get squeezed or pushed, what's ever in us comes out of us. And, you know, I've had people like get angry and scream and yell and swear. People says, oh, that really wasn't me. You know, it was just, I just got worked up. It really was. I go, well, who was it? Who was it that just manifested for a while? If that wasn't you, do you have somebody else in there or what? That was you. That's a part of you that needs to get nailed to the cross. That's a part of you that's not going to build the kingdom of God on earth. That's a part of you that Jesus wants to put to death. And like Charles Spurgeon said, when you bury a dead dog, don't let, or a dog, don't let its tail wagging above the ground. Blessed are the peacemakers. John and I have both quoted E. Stanley Jones. And it's a, he was an incredible man of God in India, did an incredible work throughout India. I, I am about his... Um, his unchanging person and his unshakable kingdom. I got this quote. John's getting the quotes out of his Sermon on the Mount. Both of them are in talking about the Sermon on the Mount. He says, how blessed are the peacemaker, not only those who find peace, but those who make peace. So full of peace, they produce it in others. On the one hand, it is possible to advocate peace in such a warlike manner that war is produced out of the spirit should be small as in methods. The means and the ends must be the same. The kingdom can never be brought in by unkingdom means. So the peacemakers bring peace by methods that produce peace. So everywhere Jesus went, because he walked in the peace of God, do you know, in this world, crazy thing, they should see a peace on us that they don't understand. I had a good friend at Westgate, and when I moved up here to start Sunrise Christian Center, which was Sunrise Chapel at the time, he used to show up every once in a while, and he'd 
kind of show up unexpected, ask if he'd see me. He'd come and sit in my room, and he'd say, hi, just came up to see you, and he'd, start, he'd sit there, and he'd go, he goes, you probably wonder what I'm doing, and I go, yes. He said, I just came to drink some of your peace. And every time he sat down in my office, he said that he said, do you realize the peace? I tried for 40 some years to work myself up into anxiety. I couldn't do it because I have the peace of God. When Y2K came and everybody freaked out, I was at total peace. I didn't, I never had one moment where I was worried that the world was coming to an end. You start wondering, is something wrong with me, lad? You know, all these people are freaking out and they got rain barrels and, you know, they bought all this food and they're all just, the world's come to an end in 2000. That was 20 years ago. Seems a lot, you know, why, and Dr. Thomas came after that and spoke on why to pray rather than Y2K. And I just had a peace. And I asked God one day, I said, Lord, why, am I crazy? Or why are all these people? They said, well, this prophet said, and these people said, and this prophecy came. And I just said, well, I know my God and I have peace. I'm not worried about it. Well, pastor, you should be doing this and you should do that. And you should do this and you should do that. And I said, I'm just at peace about it. You know what? He's going to take care of us. I'm not, I, I couldn't even rile myself up. And one day the Lord spoke to me and said, what has the Holy Spirit said about this? And I said, nothing. He said, that's because nothing's going to happen. And people got mad at me. They got angry. Oh, you know, well, you know, with people, you should be warning the people and you should be doing this. And I said, look, I'm at peace. Why, why do we get free? Whenever I hear fear and people all, you know, shooken up, I can t- it's not of his kingdom. He was at, from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing after they humiliated him. We bring a whole different kingdom. We don't war like the world wars. We feed our enemies. We, we give water to those who hate us. It says in one passage, I'm going to read that all nations will hate you. Didn't you aren't you glad you signed up for the kingdom? You signed up to get persecuted. You signed up to get mocked, to be lied about. Hello? But most American churches don't preach that. I'm going to give you four reasons how you can have a happy career. Jesus said, come and die on a cross with me. Come and be crucified. Come and give your way your, way your life. And lose your life for my sake and the kingdom's sake. And watch what happens. I had so much fun. People said, didn't you get tired? I said, man, I had a great week. I got to preach for two days and teach through the whole book of Revelation, all 22 chapters. And I was invigorated. Then I got to speak in their Saturday night service and people got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then people got saved on Sunday morning and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I got to go out to lunch with John Gravelese and his new wife, Irene, and with David Gorsline. They came, he came all the way from Las Vegas just to see me, went out with the pastor. And then I got to spend five days with my wife. That's why I'm so fired up. People said, oh, aren't you tired? No, I'm re-fired. And I'm not retired. I've been re-fired for a long time. Retirement's way overrated. Refirement's really good. And when you lose your life for Jesus' sake, he takes care of all the other stuff. Like, you know, like Eric said, I prayed for my, my, my mother-in-law. We did for a number of years, but she got saved at 95 years of age. We prayed for my father for years. He got saved. We used to go in the, now, now, remember, you war in the spirit. You war against demonic forces. You don't war against people. So you, can, you want to get angry? Get angry at the devil. You want to get angry, get angry at demonic forces. Don't get angry at people. Don't fall in the... So I used to go to my dad's house and I'd pray in the spirit over the house because he was into all kinds of, you know, all this gobbledygook psychology and Eastern mysticism and meditation. I'd go in his house and I'd get riled up. I mean, I'd pray in tongues. I'd walk through his house when he wasn't there. It was my house too because I grew up there. I'd walk through and I'd just rebuke things. I'd, I'd pray in the spirit. And I remember the day he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. It was worth all the prayers, all the time. Remember when Terry's mom got saved at 95 years of age? God hasn't forget your prayers. Keep reminding. He doesn't get, you know what? He doesn't get bothered. So keep praying like we heard this morning. Remember, only kingdom methods can produce kingdom peace. Hebrews 12, 14, and 15. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many should become afflicted. Now, we've individualized that to ourselves and to our situations, but look in the context. Pursue peace with all people. If you don't pursue peace with people, guess what? You're going to have a tendency to get into bitterness. You're going to get angry at people. You're going to get mad at people. 
You're going to see people that they, they're not living the way you want them to live. They're not fitting into your blueprint. And I'll tell you, there's enough people out there to frustrate you. There is. They're everywhere. But we're to pursue peace with all people. Are you pursuing peace with the people of the different party? Are you pursuing peace with people that don't agree with you? If you want to be a peacemaker, you have to do that. It's, this is not going to be a fun, bubbly, giggly, oh, so I got so blessed today when one of the men came up and said to me, he said, was that message just for me? And I said, no, first it was for me. Am I walking in the peace of God? Am I living in the peace of God? If I don't have the peace of God, I'm not going to be a peacemaker. If I don't, if I don't have it in my life, I'm, I'm not going to somehow manufacture it. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit that gets developed in our life, the peace of God. Pursue peace. Romans 16, 17, 18. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who do such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the people. We live in an hour when people are using platforms and ideas to deceive people. We need to be very, very careful. And be careful of anything that causes division or offense. It's not from the kingdom of heaven. Yes, we will have contrary opinions. Yes, we will have to stand up to our convictions. I'll talk about it in a moment. But we can do it in love. We can do it in peace. We can do it assured of who we are in Christ. And we can release the love to people who actually oppose us. And 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20 says this. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You have the ministry of reconciliation. I want you to look at somebody by you and welcome Ambassador Terry. Or Ambassador Mark and Debbie? Ambassador Lorna? Ambassador Hansel? Ambassador Ryan? You look, I want you to look at somebody and welcome them. As an, they're an ambassador for Christ. You're an ambassador. You're representing a different kingdom. You're representing a kingdom that's even greater than the United States of America. You have a higher kingdom you're supposed to be representing. And if we don't get that, we don't get the kingdom. I've told the story, I'll tell it again. At 17 years old, I was made an official ambassador for the United States government. Andrew will know about this. I was in a singing group called The Dynamics, and they sent us to Panama right when there was still conflict in 1971. My sponsor that I stayed with down there was on the number four most wanted on the FBI list before we went down there. He got off that list before we went, obviously. Thank God. And I had to swear on a Bible at Mount Lake Terrace High School with my hand in the air that I would uphold the Constitution of the United States, that I would represent the United States government. Governor Dan Evans sent a representative and Richard Milhouse Nixon sent a representative on his behalf. And I had to, I had to swear on a Bible at Mount Lake Terrace High School in 1970. That's how far we've come. And I had to swear that I would uphold the Constitution, that I would be an ambassador, represent the United States governor as an official ambassador, now, that ambassadorship gave me incredible privileges. I got to go and meet the president of Panama. We got to go into his presidential palace. We had to walk through all the flamencos in the big fountain right outside his office. I didn't really enjoy walking through a bunch of flamencos to get to see the president, but it was worth... I don't like being in the middle of birds. I like watching them fly, but I didn't want to be in the middle of them. And so we walked through a lot of bird poop and stuff. And we got into the beautiful palace, and I got to meet the ambassadors, and we had parties, and they took us down the canals. Incredible, incredible privileges of being an ambassador. But when I looked at the list of what would happen to you if you didn't represent the United States, number one being if, if you did any of these things they listed on a piece of paper we were given, that you would be brought home by a military transport from Panama at your parents' expense. And they would fly you, and your parents would pay for your trip home, which was a lot of money, bringing a military transport from Panama to Seattle. And we were told, if you do any of these things, you'll immediately be exited from the country. So as an ambassador for Christ, you are an ambassador of peace. You're an ambassador of peace 
to a world that's in uproar, to a world that doesn't know much about peace at all, to a world that's at war. You and I are called to be ambassadors. We have great privileges as ambassadors. We have great responsibilities that we represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we are ambassadors. We are given a ministry to reconcile those people who do not know God to God, to bring them to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we've been given that ministry. And it says, blessed are the peacemakers. And then it says, because they shall be called the sons of God. The blessing is that we're called sons and daughters of God when we're peacemakers. And I love another quote by E. Stanley Jones. The peacemakers are called the sons of God because they do what God does. He overcomes evil with good. Hate by love. And the world by a cross. So you are the sons, really, and the daughters of the living God. When we release goodness where there's evil. See, telling the world and people how evil evil is and how evil these schemes are doesn't change anything. But if you walk into the midst of evil and you start to release goodness and heal the sick and pray for people and feed the hungry and preach the gospel to the poor and you lay hands on somebody that's spirit, you know, that's, that needs to be filled with the Spirit, or you cast demons out of somebody, then Jesus said the kingdom of heaven. Then you're an ambassador for Christ. So when I get a report that a lady's rod was moved back, I say, Lord, I thank you. I'm an ambassador of peace. I brought the gospel of reconciliation to her. I thank you for the two young ladies that were weeping, becoming followers of Jesus. This is what I was born for. Not to get mad about news reports. I want the devil to get so mad about the news reports that are coming out of our church family, how we're advancing the kingdom of God in the midst of this, that this has been a launching pad for us to take the gospel, to be ministers of reconciliation, to feed those that are enemies, to give them water, to give them whatever they have need of, to show that we're of a different world, we're of a different kingdom. The kingdoms of our God and of, the, of, of, of our Christ are going to become the kingdoms of this world one day, but we're representing a kingdom that's coming forth. That's so powerful. And yes, we need to vote. And yes, we need to have a voice. But let's always do it in peace and love. Yeah. When did Jesus get angry? Jesus got angry when anybody messed with his mission. Even when Peter said, you're not going to go to the cross. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. The times he got angry when he flipped the tables over when people were messing with his, his mission of the cross and the blood that would be shed. When the religious leaders were stopping people from hearing, that's when he got angry. He got angry at the spirits that were behind those things. He loved people. And look at Abraham. Look at Genesis 13, 7 and 9. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, the Canaanites and the Perizzites that dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please, let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and you herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. If you take the right, I'll go to the left. And what did Lot pick? He, he, he picked the land that looked the best. He took the best slice. But what was Abram? He was a peacemaker. He said, I'm more concerned about, you know what, peace. I'm more concerned about ending the strife than I am about getting the best land. Do you know how many Christians I've watched that have turned down financial gain for the sake of the kingdom? Have given away things that people would, would die to have because they were followers of Jesus. There was a time in our life where we were legally due a large sum of money. We talked about it and prayed about it and we realized that the person in our family that thought the money was theirs, although it really wasn't theirs, that their salvation was more important than us getting the money that was a large amount of money. And so we prayed and we decided that we would let them have the money. Nobody else in our family did that, but we did that. Now my dad's in heaven. It was worth the money. Money can't buy you happiness. It's not about your possessions. It's about what possesses you. What are you going to pay in exchange for someone's soul? You could lay all the world's wealth down and one soul is more valuable and all the wealthy people of the world in God's eyes. We live in a different kingdom. We live from a different perspective. Don't get drawn into the narrative of the world to fight over things that really in the end won't matter. We're the people of peace. We're ambassadors of love. We're ambassadors of joy. We're ambassadors of righteousness. We're ambassadors of peace. 
The peacemaker often gets afflicted and gets attacked and crucified by both sides. Isn't it wonderful? You bring together people in peace and they end up attacking you. Have you ever gotten in the middle of a family fight with a brother or a sister or a mother and a son and you thought you were going to help bring them together and in the end they attack you? You're talking about my mom. I said, wait a minute, you're, you're a you don't talk about my son like that. You're bringing peace and then they end up attacking you. That's the good news of being a peacemaker. That's what they did to Jesus. And one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Not fruits of the Spirit, it's fruit of the Spirit. Because it's all out of love. It's only one fruit, it's love. Joy is peace rejoicing, or love rejoicing. Peace is love at rest. Long-suffering is love suffering long. You can go on. 1 Corinthians 13 spells out what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is. If you have all the spiritual gifts and have all knowledge and you don't have love, you're nothing. So may we always be motivated by love or we're bringing the wrong kingdom. You can't bring the wrong kingdom in a wrong attitude and heart and produce the kingdom of heaven. So let's be at peace with God first. If you're not at peace with God, I implore you today, make peace with God. And let God make peace with you. Romans 5 says that, that when you have faith in the Lord Jesus, you have the peace with God. And then when you receive the peace with God, then you can have the peace of God in your heart. You're at peace. Your sins are forgiven. You become a son and daughter of God. You believe in what Jesus did and your life changes. And then you can release peace and be a peacemaker. And overcome evil by doing good. I, I want to commend all of you. You've given so lavishly over this last season. We've been able to bless, you got to bless, you got to bless the church, Venture Church last week. Because of your giving, we got to give $5,000 to finish their children's ministry. This is the kingdom. You gave away $14,000 through the church leadership to a church plant that couldn't have their first service. They're not a part of our fellowship, but they're a part of our family. You gave to the doctors and nurses at Everett Hospital. You gave to Everett Gospel Mission. We've given away tens of thousands of dollars over this, and we still have a lot of money. Because we're following the principles of the kingdom. They're not going to put that in the paper. They're not going to let people know about that. We're the people that cause problems. We're the people that don't conform. We're the mean people. We're the angry people. They have no clue what we're doing. But it doesn't matter. We have a Father in heaven who wants us to walk in the peace of God. And we overcome evil by doing good. Romans 12, 18 to 21, if it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You change evil and overcome it by doing good in the midst of evil. You show up and release goodness. You don't just argue with people. You release goodness. And vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He repays. And the, if, if you want, we don't have time to go into this more today, but the heaping coals on fire in their head is not about, oh boy, God's going to really get them and that fire's going to come out. That's, what I'm doing. That's not the spirit it was given in. It's all about how they cooked in those days with the coal of fire they carried on their heads. So you're setting a meal for them. You're preparing a place for them. You're loving your enemies as Christ does, your sons and daughters of the living God. And that's why you're blessed. And then secondly, bless those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Everybody's favorite verse they memorize. Put it up on their refrigerator. Make sure all their kids can read it out too. Matthew 24, 9 says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Aren't you glad you signed up? You will be hated by all nations. You will be delivered up to tribulation. They will kill you. I've taught young men and women in India that have been martyred for their faith. I'll tell you, it rips your heart out when you saw a young person, 21, 22, 23, going to their own village to share the love of Christ, and they get hacked with machetes or get beaten, get thrown in a well, they find them dead. And their crime was they loved Jesus and they proclaimed the gospel to their village. My heart was broken when he, Dr. Thomas told me about the the pastor, I think they tied ropes on him or else held his hands and pulled him both ways and then they took motorcycles and ran over him with motorcycles as his body was stretched out like because he was a believer in Jesus. We don't hear much about that in America. 
People always persecute those who are different, a threat to the establishment, or confront their ideologies. What did we expect from the world? What did we expect from a system that's under the devil's control? It's not the people that we're fighting, it's the demonic forces and powers that are deceiving people from the truth of Jesus. Isaiah was sawn in two. Jeremiah was placed in a cesspool in the dungeon to die. Elijah was hunted by Jezebel. And Daniel was to be a main course for the Lions Club lunch. They're all followers and believers in Jesus. Heroes in Hebrews 11, you can read it when you get home, 33 to 40. It's not preached on very often when we read Hebrews 11, but they were sawn in two. They were tortured. They were left in caves. They were destitute. It says the world wasn't even worthy of these people. They wandered in deserts. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They faced scourgings and chains and imprisonments. And they were tortured. That they might obtain a better resurrection. The world is not even worthy of these people. Amen. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness sake. And the blood of the martyrs has been the seed of the church. And there's been more people martyred over the last century than there have been in all the centuries together. You've seen some of the people that were executed in the Middle East had their heads cut off. They prayed for those that were getting ready to cut their heads off with swords. We live in a Disneyland people in America. Somebody laughs at us or makes fun of us. We think we're really being persecuted. But meet some of the people around the world. When I was asked to pray for my Hero Zhang, Un Liang, has 10 to 15 million followers, depending on who you believe. When I met him in China and he asked me to pray for him, all I could do was start to cry. How will you pray for someone who's been in prison for 22 and a half years of their life and 10 to 15 million people? You know what I felt like? I felt like an ant among giants. I said, God, who am I to pray for this man? When we met a young Turkish evangelist that had been tortured and beaten, and you could see it all over his face, and I brought $200 to buy a leather coat because I heard you could get leather coats and save my money. And I listened to his story at the dinner table, and Ramazan Arkan told me how he'd led him to Christ, that he'd wanted to kill him at one time, and how their two friends were slit their throats, and they gave their lives as ministers of the gospel, and how this man led him to Christ. Sometimes he would spend seven years in an area, and maybe one or two people would get saved, and they said that was phenomenal. Turkey has 75 million people, about 5,000 known believers. Two-thirds of the gospel went into Turkey or came from Turkey. 74-plus million people that are lost without a Savior. Who's going to go tell them about Jesus? And I, I started crying. I, I, I had to leave the dinner table. I, had, I went up in my room and I wept. And I said, God, am I going to buy a leather coat? They sealed every building he bought and made him pay for the buildings. They'd grab his daughter out of school and would take her and say that, that they, were, they would never see their daughter again. Sometimes they would take her for three or four days. They called him on the phone and said what they were going to do to him day after day. And he would just keep going to these villages and towns year by year. And he had a handful of believers. I wonder what his reward's going to be like in heaven. We didn't have a mega church, so what? You know, we get so impressed by things that don't impress God at all. We're building a kingdom. And we're going to be persecuted. You better get ready. You think there's persecution now? There's more coming. All nations will hate us. Don't expect if just somebody gets elected, all the persecution is going to go away. It's going to get worse. I've been telling you that for years. Most pulpits won't preach what's coming. People won't want to come. Corey Ten Boom said the worst thing they did before the Nazi invasion, that is they told everybody everything was going to be fine. We had no preparation for what was about to happen. And most people died because they couldn't stand that they'd been lied to by their leaders. Jesus warned us about the last days that you'd be hated of all nations for my name's sake. That you'll be delivered up to tribulation. They will want to kill you. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Men will falsely accuse you, revile you, and persecute you. Isn't that wonderful news? E. Stanley Jones says the peacemaker became the persecuted. Peacemaking is a judgment on a warring society. Society demands conformity. If you fall beneath its standards, it will punish you. If you rise above its standards, it will persecute you. 
If your head is lifted above the multitude, it will be whack, get whacked. So peacemakers must be used to the sight of their own blood. I read that to my wife. She says, it doesn't sound very uplifting. But when you understand what the price is and what the cost is that Jesus paid for us, there's no sacrifice. There's no sacrifice too great. We need to realize in this world, we need to be peacemakers. We need to be ready for the persecution that's coming. And there will be a reward in heaven. And it says in 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 12, that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I read it before. You're in good company. You'll be rewarded in heaven. We need to live godly lives. We need to show integrity and character in the world that we live in. They're trying to get us into fights. They're trying to get us to war with them in the flesh. If you war in the flesh with someone who's warring in the flesh, it just produces more flesh. But when you walk in peace and you walk in the kingdom of heaven, God shows up. People get saved. People get healed. And people get to be made peace with God. They get reconciled to God. They see you live differently. They see you. there's something in you that they don't have that they want. There's something they need. We are the sons and daughters of God when we walk in. It's interesting. This whole thing starts with the first beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it ends with, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I've often wondered, when we get to heaven, I've told my son many times, I said, you know, some of the churches look really good. Really good from the outside, but I wonder where they're going to look after they go through the fire. When you see all the motivations, all the things, the attitudes of the heart, we're to be a people full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of long-suffering. Oh, but it's not fair. God never said it was going to be fair. He said, you're bringing a different kingdom. Everywhere Jesus went, he was confronted by demonic forces and powers. And we need to be ready for the persecution that's coming to the church. And we need to be peacemakers. And we need to be people who love our enemies and bless those who curse us. When they lie about us and accuse us, we continue to love them. I remember when I was getting ready, I was put on a staff at the first church I was at. And something happened that I wish never happened to any minister. But I remember Scott Smith's mother, Vivian, helped me through a lot of this time. And one of the leaders of the church came and he said, because of what you've done, your ministry's done. The devil's deceived you. There's no hope for you. You'll never minister again. That was 40-some years ago. Those were the nicer things he said about me. And I went back to my office, and I was very angry. And I got in the flesh, and I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit, how quick he is to convict us of sin and of judgment and righteousness. He said, you know that man that did that to you? He said, you have one responsibility, and that's to love him with all your heart. And I said, that's not fair. He's mean. He's angry. He said, if you're going to be my son and my follower, you need to love him with all your heart. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's the people who know their God. And I'll tell you, it took me some while to struggle through that and fight through that, but I learned to love him as big of a rascal as he was. Maybe that's why I love rascals so much. God's put a lot of them in my life to shape me and hone me. And show me that the flesh only produces the flesh. When you and I fight and argue in the flesh, all we do is produce more flesh. When we bring in peace and we love our enemies and we bless those who curse us and we're ready for the persecution, and you know what? We can be honored that we get to bear his name. We get to bear his name. And we have the privilege of suffering with him. It says in Philippians, I love what Paul prayed, that I might know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings that I might be made conformable unto your death if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Peter said you're invited to suffer. So arm yourselves to suffer. Be ready for what's going to happen. So Father, we just praise you this morning. I thank you. This is an uplifting message. And you said that we could rejoice. And I've been practicing my leaping, Lord. We don't want lepers. We want leapers, Lord. And may we rejoice whenever we're persecuted, whenever we proclaim the gospel in love and people hate us and lie about us and say things about us, may we rejoice. And may we leap for joy that we have the privilege of being honored to bear with you the shame that you endured on the cross. And Lord, even as I read in Luke 6, and it says, when they exclude you, and I thought of all the times 
Family had excluded me. People have excluded me because I named the name of Christ. And Lord, as a human, it often hurt, but I realized it's a sacrifice to you. And that it made my prayer even more ferocious that they might come to know your love. And that it really wasn't about me. And Lord, there's times people have felt excluded, have felt wounded, have felt hurt even by ones they loved because they followed you. Help us and give us the grace and the ability to have peace. And when we're persecuted, to remember that we can rejoice, that we get to suffer with you. And Father, we just thank you for the privilege of being your sons and daughters. We thank you for the message of the Sermon on the Mount, that it convicts us. Lord, that it makes us look in a whole new way at what we do and who we are. And we thank you that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And if you're here today or you're watching by live stream and you've never received Christ, I want to give you an opportunity. You can receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can know him. In 1 John 5, 11 and 13, they read it at my baptism service 45 years ago. And this is the record that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has a son has life and he who does not have the son of God does not have life. But you who believe in the name of son of God may know that you have eternal life and that believing you might have life in his name. If you believe Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead and you want to give your life to him and you want to turn from your sin and being the manager and the leader of your own life, you want to surrender your life to Jesus. That's what he died for, that we can know freedom, that we can know forgiveness, that we can know a whole new kingdom, a whole new way of life. We could be his disciples and followers. And you'd say, Pastor Dan, I want to do that day. Would you raise your hand? Just wave at me if that's you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? You'd wave, wave your hand. Wave it, wave it so I can see it. Thank you. Is there anyone else? You'd say, that's me. I want to wave. You'd join these two that say they want to give their lives to Jesus. This is the ministry of reconciliation. There's people all around your neighborhood, all around this city that are waiting for you to come across their path. Yeah. Is there anyone else would say, that's me? Yeah. Thank you. I see your hand, so you can put it down. There's three. Is there anyone else? You'd like to give your heart to Jesus. He loves you. He died on the cross for your sin. And you're being reconciled to have peace with God. The amazing thing is he forgives all our sins. He washes them all away. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, if any man be in Christ or any woman, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. You get to start life anew. You get to be born again by the Holy Spirit. You begin to have the life of God, the eternal life of God through his son Jesus come into your heart and life. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come and live in you and through you. Is there anyone else? Look, one last time. Anyone else say, that's me. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Would you stand, please? I'm going to ask you to do something very brave. If you raised your hand to receive Christ, there's people here. We'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to get you into one of our discipleship groups we just started about becoming a disciple of Jesus. We're going to talk about baptism this week. You can join us. But if you raised your hand, I'd like you to come front. I'd like to pray with you. And I'd like the other team members, prayer people, come up right away, please. Come up right away, please. If you raised your hand, I'd like you to come forward. We're not trying to embarrass you. We want to love you. We're welcoming you into the family of God. Thank you for being brave. Thank you for coming. I need some of the prayer team up here. I need some of the prayer team to help me here. Jesus Christ loves you. There was one more that raised their hand. If they just come forward, thank you. We're here to love you. We're here to help you. We're here to pray for you. Just pray this prayer out loud with us. Everybody pray this prayer. You that came forward to receive Christ, just pray this prayer. If it's the desire of your heart, dear Father, I thank you for Jesus, that you send Jesus for me to die in my place, to shed his blood for me, to forgive my sin, to give me a whole brand new start, today I repent I turn from my sin and I turn to you and I receive your love and I receive your forgiveness and I surrender my life to you and I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior I ask you to be the King of my heart I give you my life take it and use it for your glory fill me with your love Fill me with your joy. Fill me with your peace. 
In Jesus' name, amen. We welcome these men and women of the kingdom of God. We have a Bible we're going to give you, and I need more of the prayer team up here. I need some more of it up here. We're going to pray for people. You heard about a miracle of a rod being put back in place. We've had a man who the doctor said will be should have been dead weeks ago. I'm going to get to pray with him this afternoon. We have an appointment. Um, they're going to hopefully take the trach out soon. And he's healing. You keep praying for him. We believe that he's the God of miracles and he still moves today. He's not just someone in history, but he's the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He saves, he heals, he delivers, he answers prayer. He's a real God in a real world. So I want to encourage you, if you have a need, you come and pray. And be a, be a peacemaker this week. Be a peacemaker. And if people persecute you and talk bad about you, love them. Take them out to lunch, the person that argues with you. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Tell them how much you enjoy that they have an opinion, that they're alive and watch what happens. And pay for their lunch. God will pay you back, don't worry about it. He promised. You take it to the bank, he said in his word. And if they're really poor, especially, because he said, if you lend to the poor, the Lord will repay you. Do something for somebody at work or someone you come across their path and say, can I just pray peace over you? Ask him. You're an ambassador of peace. Ask him if you can pray peace. When I go to someone's home and I feel the peace of God, the Bible says I can add my peace and I pray peace, my wife and I, over their home. You can pray peace over people. You'd be surprised how many people that say they don't believe in God will ask you to pray. The people that excluded me from discussions and family gatherings, when they had a need, guess what? They asked me to pray for them. That's your moment to shine. If you have a need, you come. If not, God bless you as you go and share the love of Christ, share the peace of God. Pursue peace with all men. Pursue peace with all men and watch what happens. And live peaceably with all men as much as possible. And watch what happens. God bless you. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Sunrise Message of the Week. Help us get the word out. Share this to your stories. Post it online. We'll see you next time.